Welcome to another episode on Catalyzing Radical Systemic Change, where it's all about discovering, mapping, and cross-pollinating what I think are the necessary building blocks towards a planetary civilization ahead. So obviously I can't look in the crystal ball, nobody can, but I think one of the crucial components for the next decades ahead is that we come up with regenerative business models that scale and regenerate the soil and the earth, biodiversity and such. And I'm very grateful today to be in this virtual room together, connected from Berlin to the West Coast in the US with Roland Vandermeer. He's since um, decades working as an investor. And my first question for you today, Roland, thanks for making it, is we all have these couple of turning points in our biography. And I wonder when you sketch two or three of them, how, to, how do they bring you to the present moment and what you manifest from the core of who you are? I could take a book. Um, thank you so much, Alistair. Uh, appreciate the time and uh, the question too. Um, gosh. Um, I guess we all begin to realize that our life is a series of events, episodes, um, and they all add up to where you are today. And not one of those is um, irrelevant. They're all relevant. They all kind of lead you to where you are. And it's so hard to pull out the pivotal ones, but I'll, I'll try because when you ask that question, it goes back to when I was 12 years old and my mother went to the New York City to learn meditation and uh, took a course called Silva, you know, mind control at that point. And uh, now today it's back in, in the fury. And it's, it was amazing because it wasn't just sitting around and humming and trying to empty your mind. You were actually doing things for, for a 12 year old. That was really important you know, to keep busy. And I learned that and I actually used it. I used it in, in school. I used it for athletics and it worked. It was amazing. And you could actually tell time without seeing a clock, you know, and uh, things like that. Crazy stuff I remember doing with that. Um, that was probably one moment and that stuck with me. So the next point is I'm 25, 27, somewhere in there. I think my mother just passed, so probably 27. She just had passed away. And I read Siddhartha looking for some reasons of things. And it was one of those amazing experiences saying, oh my God, look at this. Well, if this is true, if this is real, I'm not ready for this because I still want to have the, the sex, the drugs, the sports, the, the business and do all those things. And maybe when I'm like really old, like in my 50s, you know, I'll do something, you know, like spiritual kind of thing. And literally it went till then, you know, lots of little things between then, but I had a, kind of an awakening at that point. And unfortunately, it was through a divorce that, you know, it's a very difficult process that caused me to kind of break free and say, what have I done? You know, what am I doing here? And what am I on this planet for? And then I started meeting people with that question alone. I started meeting people that sent me on this path and very rapidly. In fact, so rapidly, it's incredible that I get to meet some of the great minds like the Sim Harman from the Re uh, Resident Science Foundation and Greg Braden was talking and Bruce Lipton and just meeting all these people saying, oh my God. And when I saw there was physics behind the woo-woo, I was like, okay, okay, I can hold on to this now because I'm an engineer. And it had to make some rational sense to my mind to hold on to it. But I had experiences without medicine or without anything about just you know traveling and finding these incredible moments. And I was like, okay. And then I understood the, 
the paradigm we're living in more because I was dealing in agriculture for the past so oh, 10 years already, knowing the issues of chemicals and how bad they are for the environment, glyphosate and all the things that have been done to farmers and unwittingly, all the idea of trying to grow better food, but it wasn't the right system, it was broken and it was trying to defend itself. And almost every industry was like that. And I said, wow. And I'd been spending the last 10 or so years building firms that were doing regenerative agriculture, regenerative water systems, you know, all that, and helping firms like Equilibrium Capital and Biological Capital and ultimately Ultra Capital, all trying to look at regenerative systems and, you know, ag, energy, water, and waste and project finance because the technology was there. Paul Hawken demonstrated in Drawdown all that, all those methodologies are financeable. They have payback. But investors weren't ready to hear that because it was too much risk, they would say, or gosh, I have a legacy for my family and I can't afford to do that because the risk was there. I was like, there's no legacy unless you do this, you know, but they couldn't hear that either. So that was, those were the pivotal moments. And then that brought me to saying, okay, maybe there's a better way. And, um, and that I discovered in resonance physics that the world is energy and vibration as Tesla and Einstein were saying, and how do we work with the technologies in that realm to kind of create the future we need. And that's why I'm very optimistic about the things that are coming forward, even in spite of what's going on in the world today and the 100 degree temperatures almost all around the world right now. So we have to really focus and open up our minds and participate now to get this done. And that's, that's the journey for the next 10 years. If we don't do it now, I don't think there's gonna be a second chance. I totally resonate with that. I wonder if it's fruitful for our audience to to just at the very beginning of the podcast move one step back before the last pivotal moment where you like started equilibrium biological and ultra capital what were the main takeaways from quote unquote like mainstream investing i mean there's technology behind it there's uh, a certain scientific rigor behind it what do you recommend people that aspire to become uh, impact investors? What, what, what do they need to learn? What, what's, what's the most essential? What are your main takeaways from that life phase? Yeah, it, it's okay. So I'll, I'll parse that question a little differently. So, so there was this moment in time where I left what I was doing, which was traditional venture in communication systems. And we had a pretty well-established firm and it began to fall apart because the industry had changed because partnership dynamics, because of ego, because of fear, all those classic things you can talk about. And, and they're real, they're very real. Um, so that was the first step for me. I, I have to do something different because it's broken what we're doing and, and what I was doing and how I was doing it even. Even the, if I look back at like, I'm not proud of some of the things I did, even though we were very successful for you know, a good period of time. So, so the first step is a, reckon, a reckoning with yourself you know, like, what am I really doing here? And what's really hard, if you have all success and you've done really well to look at yourself, say, have I done wrong here? I've played the game exactly as it was laid out and I mastered it. And what do you mean I'm doing it wrong? It's a very hard thing to come across. So unless you hit some big obstacles, it's hard to be self-reflective. And, and that's number one. And if you've reached that point, because you are, I guess, more able to see that faster than I was able to see it, um, then the first step is, where do you, like you said, where do you begin to play and how do you begin to play in this game? 
And many young people come to me, I want to do something good. I want to do sustainability. I want to do impact. And they come talk to me. And I know a few firms that would probably talk to them. And I usually send them to those, talk to those firms because they want to. But there's a very few roles there. There are very few, you know, they don't hire them. PE firms, venture firms, whatever, don't hire many people. So the next thing is really what company, you know, what, because they will be hiring and they can't afford to pay top dollar. You know, they will take the chance on the young and you can get a lot of experience there. So now is there better, you know, places to companies to go to versus lesser? Like I have people coming up, I'm in blockchain and it's amazing. And we're based on Bitcoin. Like, oh, that's really good energy conservative company, you know, kind of technology. But I'm, I'm in Ethereum and I really like it because we're going to stake it now. And that, therefore, we're going to, you know, reduce the energy footprint and all that stuff. And we have a play like that. So you have to do your own assessment there. That's where you have to tune in yourself and do your research. Or I'm just using blockchain as an example, a place to look at the different shifts that are happening. Um, how do we track assets of nature? You know, and, and blockchain could be a way to do that. that. That's what I'm referring to. How do we track carbon offsets in a better way? How do we do it? There are many companies that have came and went and now they're coming back again because it's time. You know, we have to hold ourselves accountable. We need standards like that. Um, so there are various companies in those spaces or just simply recycling systems or waste management systems that are coming out right now. And I'm seeing a lot of interesting technologies, a lot of plays that are getting some funding, you know, for the first time, either out of Europe or out of Asia, or even in the US. Yeah, I say even in, sometimes we're laggards here, right? Um, the, the reason the US can be a laggard here is Europe is very dense and crowded and they realize they have a finite resource called their land. And here in the US, we have so much more land, you know, we tend to waste a lot. Hence the suburbs were created here, okay? They weren't created anywhere else, but here in the US. Um, so we tend to be a little behind in those things. Uh, Holland tends to be very head densest population in the one of the densest population in the world, and yet they produce the second largest producer of food in the world. Okay, next to the U.S., which is remarkable feat, feat um, in spite of what's going on today. Um, so, you know, I think there are opportunities, and even my, I have three daughters in their twenties. They're remarkable, and each of them are working in their own capacity. One's learning all about food and agronomy. One's actually getting her now MBA in sustainability after doing, you know, five years consulting, but she's a nature buff and she wants to figure out how to do an impact. And she ended up getting a full ride scholarship because of that motivation, which was remarkable to me, you know, and they all kind of find their own path. And it's amazing that there's so many paths available. So it's not about venture investing or PE that, that comes later. Okay. In the career usually, because you need some experience and that's what I recommend.